0: The views, opinions, and findings contained in this podcast are those of the host and subject matter experts. They should not be construed as official Department of Defense positions, policies, or decisions unless designated by other official documentation. Hi, welcome to Clinical Updates in Brain Injury Science Today, or Cubist, a podcast for healthcare providers about current research on traumatic brain injury, also known as TBI. This program is produced by the TBI Center of Excellence, or TBI-COE. I'm your host today, Amanda Gano. Today, I'll be speaking with Dr. Donald Marion. Dr. Marion is a neurosurgeon and subject matter expert at TBI COE. Don and I will discuss a study entitled Health Conditions Among Special Operations Forces Versus Conventional Military Service Members, a VA TBI Model System Study by Amanda Garcia and colleagues and published in the Journal of Head Trauma and Rehabilitation, October 2021. Hi, Don. Thanks for bringing this article to our attention. Could you tell us a little bit about this study?
1: Uh, Sure, Amanda. So, despite the high occupational risks of special operations forces, there has been uh, little data about their TBI outcomes, and no studies have examined their comorbid medical profiles and compared them to conventional forces. However, collecting this data is important for appropriately planning the medical care of these service members and veterans. So this study examined differences in health conditions between special operations forces and conventional forces with TBI that required inpatient rehabilitation. The investigators accessed the existing VA TBI Model Systems Database, or TBIMS, This database was created in response to a congressional mandate, Amanda, in uh, 2008 as a partnership with an existing TBI longitudinal database funded by the National Institute on Disability, Independent Living, and Rehabilitation Research, or the NIDILRR-TBIMS. The Neidler TBI model systems database was created in 1987 to analyze the long-term clinical course of patients with moderate and severe TBI occurring in the U.S. This newer VA TBI model systems database specifically assesses the TBI recovery and outcomes of veterans and service members admitted to any of their polytrauma rehabilitation centers. In addition, the VA TBI model systems database collects information on all veterans and service members who have experienced a mild to severe TBI from around the world, so this contrasts a bit with the Neidler TBI model systems database, which only includes participants with moderate and severe TBIs and a few specified cases of mild TBI that occurred in the United States.
0: Yeah, that's an important distinction. So you could think of the VA database as almost a modified version of the NIDILRR database that just focuses on the military. Is that correct, Don?
1: Yeah, that, that's correct, Amanda, and especially modified to include service members and in- veterans with mild as well as moderate and severe TBI, and I think that is a very important modification because, as you know, more than 80% of TBIs in the military are classified as mild.
0: Right. Thanks, Don. Okay, so how was this study done?
1: So the participants were from the VA TBI model systems cohort and had known special operations forces status. They were at least 16 when they were injured, were admitted to one of five VA polytrauma rehabilitation centers, and had informed consent from the service member or their legal representative. Causes of the indexed TBIs prior to rehabilitation were motor vehicle accidents, falls, including hard parachute landings, blasts, penetrating, and other. The study classified participants as having uncomplicated mild, complicated mild, moderate, or severe TBI. And the difference, as you know, Amanda, between uncomplicated and complicated mild is whether or not they have an abnormal CT scan. In addition to the index TBIs, the study reported total TBIs, total TBIs with loss of consciousness, and total moderate to severe TBIs. The investigators collected data on active duty status at the time of TBI and years of military service in structured interviews using historical VA TBI model systems procedures. They also asked whether participants had ever been deployed to a combat zone. To qualify as a Special Operations Forces personnel, participants had to answer yes to have you ever served in a Tier 1 or Tier 2 unit, with examples that included Army Green Beret and Rangers, Navy SEALs, Marine Special Operations Command, or MARSOC, and Joint Special Operations Command, or JSOC. Special Operations Forces pararescuers and combat controllers also were included. The researchers used the Health Comorbidities Interview, or the HCI, with items adapted from the National Health and Nutrition Examination Survey to determine comorbidities. The HCI records the presence of 35 medical and psychiatric conditions. All the interview questions started with, quote, Has a doctor or other healthcare professional ever told you that you had, unquote? Amanda, the investigators found a lot of differences between the special operations forces and conventional forces, but only considered those differences important. If the variable differed by 10% or more, or if there were mean differences of 50% or more of one standard deviation in the variable under consideration.
0: That's really interesting, Don. So they looked at both health comorbidities and actually some of that demographic data that differs between special operators and conventional service members. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, that's correct, Amanda.
0: Okay, so what did they find?
1: Of the uh, 1,361 potential participants who enrolled or had a follow-up interview after April 1st, 2018, Uh, And that date coincides with when they added the Special Operations Forces status to the study data collection. 522 were eligible for the study and 365 were from conventional forces and 157 were from Special Operations Forces. Using the important differences defined before, compared to conventional forces, special operations forces were more likely to have a bachelor's degree or higher level of education, more likely to have deployed to a combat zone, and that's 93% versus 51% more likely to have been injured while deployed, and that's uh, 48% versus 14% in conventional forces. They were also more likely to have been injured from a blast, 15% versus 4%, more likely to have had longer time in military service, and in this case it was 14 years versus 6 years for conventional forces. They were more likely to have had a history of more TBIs, 3 versus 1.3, and they were less likely to have received care from an emergency department or hospital immediately after their traumatic brain injury. Amanda, what I find most interesting is that the Special Operations Forces participants were also more likely to be diagnosed with osteoarthritis, hyperlipidemia, fractures of the hip, wrist, and spine, and obstructive sleep apnea. The greatest difference between the groups was prevalence of chronic pain, with 54% of special operations forces having chronic pain versus 23% for conventional forces. The special operations forces also had a higher prevalence of hypertension, rheumatoid arthritis, and sexual dysfunction, although these differences were not major. The study showed that no comorbidities were higher in uh, conventional forces personnel compared to special operations forces.
0: So Don, I would also ask, just based off the time in service data, I would assume that the special operations group were also older. Is that correct? That's correct. So do you think we should really be surprised by these results?
1: No, not really. Compared with conventional forces, special operations forces training has a higher operational tempo. The soft members also have greater physical demands throughout their career and more frequently experience musculoskeletal overuse injuries. As I mentioned before, Amanda, special forces typically serve for 14 years as compared to only six years for conventional forces, Uh, so it isn't surprising that they have a higher rate of osteoarthritis, fractures, and chronic pain.
0: Yeah, I agree, Don. I'm not really surprised by this data either. Um, what were the limitations?
1: I don't think there were a lot. I think the most important limitation uh, of the study is that they only included service members and veterans referred to an inpatient TBI rehabilitation program. So it, it isn't really clear if these findings generalize to all soft personnel with histories of TBI who didn't receive care at a VA polytrauma rehabilitation center.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. What were the key takeaways in this study?
1: Um, Soft personnel present with significantly higher rates of multiple comorbidities than conventional forces, but many of their comorbid conditions could be prevented with conditioning, rest, and education. Currently, significant changes are being made, emphasizing and investing more in conditioning, recovery, and nutrition within the soft communities across all of the military branches. Future research should continue to examine the soft population to determine whether these preventive health measures affect outcomes. Chronic pain was the most common comorbid condition and could be addressed with targeted behavioral health treatments. Because of pain as well as uh, obstructive sleep apnea, hyperlipidemia, and other comorbidity risks, SOF may benefit from routine comprehensive health screenings at predetermined intervals in their military careers.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think that's important to keep in mind for these service members. We talked a lot today about special operations forces and TBI from a research perspective, but TBI COE had the opportunity to discuss it from an operational perspective as well. Next month, airing during Brain Injury Awareness Month, our sister podcast, Picking Your Brain, had the opportunity to speak with the host of Softcast, which is the official podcast of a U.S. Special Operations Command about TBI and their experiences in that community. TBI COE Division Chief Captain Scott Coda is also co-hosting that episode. So it's a really interesting conversation. I hope our listeners will tune into that. You can stay up to date on future episodes by subscribing to Cubist on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also find links to the articles we discuss and other relevant resources. Cubist is produced and edited by Vinnie White and was hosted today by me, Amanda Gano. It is a product of the Traumatic Brain Injury Center of Excellence, a division of the Research and Engineering Directorate of the Defense Health Agency, led by Division Chief Captain Scott Coda, Medical Corps, United States Navy. Thank you for listening to this episode.